Welcome to the ASC podcast, Cytopath Pod. Join special guests to highlight ASC activities in cytopathology education, advocacy, and research. Vonda Torres again. I'm a cytopathologist at Massachusetts General Hospital, where I serve as the Cytopathology um, Fellowship Program Director. I'm also the chair of the ASC Program Director Committee. Today, we're continuing with our Cytopathology Program Director Toolkit Series, and, I'll be and we'll be discussing training bi-needle aspiration by pathologists. We're lucky to be joined by Dr. Kanav Sharp, she is currently a professor of pathology, director of cytopathology, and medical director of FNA clinic at the University of California, San Francisco. Um, Dr. Kanavshar was also the program director of the UCSF um, cytopathology fellowship program from 2012 to 2020, during which she implemented a boot camp rotation for the fellows with a focus on teaching interventional cytopathology. She has served on numerous professional organization committees and was a member of the ASC program director committee for two years. Dr. Kanavshar is a dedicated teacher and has contributed to the fetal cytopathology and thyroid pathology. We're very lucky to be joined by her today. Thank you, Wanda. Uh, hi, everybody. So today, uh, as Wanda mentioned, uh, we are talking about finding aspiration and the effective method of teaching and troubleshooting technique uh, of FNA. So I have no conflict of interest. Um, so at UCSLP, we uh, are lucky to have a very well-established FNA clinic uh, in which we have about like 10 cases per day uh, that um, the pathologists perform FNA. And as part of our fellowship program, our fellows are um, 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 rotating through FNA clinic on a regular basis. So the objective of today's talk is to uh, learn successful methods for teaching FNA procurement techniques. And our goal in our program uh, for our fellows is to get to level five of the milestone um, patient care, milestone patient care three, which is the performance of finding aspiration. Just for, uh, as, a, as a reminder, level three is um, a masterly, a mastery level, which uh, fellows can teach and consult um, in the performance of needle aspirations. So let's start with palpation-guided FNA and how we start teaching our fellows. So step one for us will be observation. So the observation can be live or by video. There are a lot of resources available out in the internet, but the ones that we are using is the 30-minute uh, video that Dr. Uh, Britt Marie Young um, uh, made in collaboration with OSCAP. Uh, this video is available at, uh, in YouTube, and um, I will provide the uh, link in the uh, in the PowerPoint presentation uh, for your view as well. Also, the fellows um, watch the smearing technique and sleep technique um, that's also available at YouTube and the link will be available. So after this, um, what comes next? So it's, it's obvious that there is a gap between perception and reality when it comes to learning. Uh, and there are limitations to observation only. It's always easier to to see than done. 
Um, so merely watching others perform can basically foster an illusion of a skill acquisition. And this is actually backed by a lot of ex um, you know, scientific experiences. So one of the very um, uh, well-established um, uh, um, experience out there in the literature is the famous moonwalk experience in which the, um, the participant basically uh, asked to watch a moonwalk video, uh, whether uh, one, one time or 20 times, uh, and then rate themselves on how they think they will perform the moonwalk. And the low exposure participant accurately actually imagined the quality of their uh, moonwalk and high exposure participants significantly overestimated the quality of their high exposure moonwalks. And basically this experiment showed that repeated observation inflated uh, people's perceived ability. Um, so therefore the observation is not enough. After the step one for our fellows come practice. So the practice should be a simulated setting. The simulated setting that we usually use is a, we call liver session. We use a, a small piece of beef liver and we practice uh, palpation guided FNA. Things that we focus on during this session is uh, needle placement within the target, positive forward motion, uh, during this session, we uh, focus on external elements, which uh, can be a needle, how to place the needle uh, in three dimension, what is the range of motion they have to do, and the carving uh, motion that the needle um, um, does. And also internal focus, like how their hands uh, need to, to be positioned in comparison to their body, um, to and then practice again and again to create a kind of muscle memory for the fellows. Then we uh, work with the fellows on a smearing te technique, how to make a perfect oval smear. We go over flip technique, how to basically meaning how to take out that material that is stuck in the needle and how to concentrate a bloody specimen. Uh, we go over how to make a good cell block, um, how to do needle wash, how to make a good cell block if it's for fat fat. And during the session, we highlight the good practice. So, so what is this, the, the limitation of this step? Obviously, bench and reality is completely different. So there is another step before we go to patients, and that's the evaluation. So we basically, at this level, at this step, we evaluate the patient, uh, the level of um, uh, skill for our fellows, uh, whether this is verbal uh, during the practice or formally. So I have included uh, the form that we use to evaluate a formal evaluation that we do for our fellows. And if the fellow fail this step, they have to basically go back to step two and repeat until it's optimal. So, and after that uh, is the step four, which is practice live on patients with supervision and continuous feedback. So our fellows start with obviously the smaller, the, with, uh, with uh, simpler lesions, not the smaller. Uh, and as they um, feel comfortable and confident and the, the supervisor feel that they are ready, they move to more complex uh, lesions. And um, after they, 
they get the independence, the mastery come when they are not having supervision, basically. And this is the level that even faculty are at. And that's basically the feedback that we are using to, um, to reinforce the optimal procurement is the roads. So immediate feedback on the specimen quality that uh, we get um, helps that help us to optimize our methods. So on a day-to-day -day basis, even at the faculty level. Um, so before I I, I want to move uh, to talk about the orientation that we have for our fellows. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about how we um, teach our fellows. Uh, on ultrasound guided FNA. So uh, ultrasound guided FNA obviously is different than palpation guided FNA. We have um, a certain ultrasound machine in our FNA clinic that we use. So what we do, we go over function of ultrasound machines with, uh, with the fellows. Um, and then uh, we have two fellows every year. So our fellows start with practicing um, uh, on themselves with normal anatomy. They basically um, um, take turns uh, finding, um, you know, different levels of neck lymph nodes, thyroid, uh, salivary glands on each other. Then we start using uh, ultrasound phantom to practice different approach of final aspiration, whether this is parallel approach or vertical approach and indication of each, um, each method. There are book recommendations that we ask our fellows to read. And the one that we use is Ultrasound Features of Superficial Pap and Palpable Lesions by Dr. Cynthia Benedict and uh, Susan Rollins, which is published by CAP. And we, um, in col collaboration with our radiology department, we have three sessions, three ultrasound sessions for our cytopathology fellows, one in lymph nodes, one in salivary gland, and one in thyroid. And also, we have created an elective um, ultrasound rotation for our fellows, which is which is basically two weeks. Uh, if the fellows choose to take that rotation, we have written um, goals and uh, objectives, and uh, I can provide that as well at the end of the presentation for you guys to use. Um, so then. Um, we're going to move to the boot camp. So, Vando uh, at the beginning talked about the boot camp that we have for our new cytopathology fellow. And basically, boot camp is a two weeks uh, rotation that our fellows start their year with starting on July 1st. Um, so, this is a very um, compact, basically, uh, schedule for them. They start, we start with um, modules that UCSF Health provide on safety and infection control, uh, how to develop a rapport with patients, consenting, uh, uh, and uh, potential adverse events in general for FNA and a specific scenario. Specific scenario that I'm talking about is, for example, if you have an EIC, um, FNA can cause rupture. And those things we go over with the um, um, fellows at the beginning of the year and we document and we, we document that they are competent to do consenting. We go over timeouts, we have a timeout procedure that <clears throat> we document and also I provided those uh, for you at the end of the presentation. And then we go over the FNA procurement as I mentioned before and um, 
uh, we, uh, after each visit in our FNA clinic, we write an after visit summary or ENM, and uh, we discharge the patient with a patient discharge instruction, which include uh, what are again, what are the complications, what can be done uh, for those complications, how to contact our clinic, uh, when and how they get their uh, results, and. Uh, uh, the last thing that I want to mention is patient evaluation. So we also uh, ask our patients to evaluate our fellows uh, formally. So we randomly, our staff, choose um, uh, pa some patients uh, in our um, every day, basically, when the fellows see the patients and the patients have the opportunity to evaluate our fellows to see how they did on each one of these steps that they are doing, whether this is developing a rapport, uh, whether the uh, procedure itself, um, bedtime, uh, bed, bedside manner, and all this. So at the end of the presentation, I have provided you several uh, sheets of information that we are using uh, that uh, I mentioned, and then I also wanted uh, to just to um, emphasize on importance of this training. Um, Dr. Young actually have a, a very well uh, written uh, paper that showed formally trained um, uh, um, um, clinicians um, do when they do FNA. The um, Sensitivity of the sensitivity of the uh, as a specimen that they they procure is much better than than clinicians or um, uh, trainees without formal training. So it's uh, basically the uh, 98% sensitivity versus 75% sensitivity. And I just want to just um, hear. Pause and uh, say that, um, as I mentioned, our fellows we would like to see at the end of the year to get to the level five, which is teach actually FNA, and um, uh, we provide our our fellows opportunities to teach whether this is in a society um, like ASC um, in our annual um, FNA workshop or other. Um, training, um, training opportunity. I mean, teaching opportunity that we are providing locally for our uh, fellows to be able to get to level five. And with that, I'm gonna go back to Vanda. If you ha she has any questions, I can ask. She can ask. Thank you. That was an amazing lecture, um, and you touched on so many fantastic and important points. I think, <clears throat> and really, all these resources that you've provided, I think, will be helpful to not only program directors, but to trainees if they're listening, um, also just cytopathologist NOS as well. Um, so thank you for providing these. Right. And, you know, I think you've covered a lot of interesting points. And one thing that I was um, wondering was, um, you know, you mentioned this idea of a boot camp. I really love that idea where you're able to talk about a number of different things. So you start that for the first two weeks of their um, fellowship. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So um, we have two fellows every year. Uh, our fellowship is um, basically our fellows uh, divide their time between General Hospital in San Francisco and UCSF campus site. However, both of the fellows start the first two weeks at UCSF campus in their boot camp. And uh, they are starting with um, 
FNA procurement, not with patients, but after a few days, they're going to start, they are starting to see patients with a strict supervision with one faculty. So they pair with one faculty and um, they either, depending on the, the level of the expertise they have, they either start with observation only or they go do, you know, larger lesions. Um, but, you know, we, all, we sometimes actually have uh, fellows who are our own resident and they have done the rotation before and they are at the level that they can do even ultrasound guided FNA. But it really like um, uh, fellows are specific uh, of what level they are and what um, they can do or not do in those two weeks. Perfect. And then, so you mentioned an evaluation period where they, um, where you evaluate their skill and offer some feedback. Is that part of that two weeks or then that's a separate period? So the, the, after the uh, simulation uh, practice, they have an evaluation. If they pass the simulation, the step two simulation, um, they can move on to see patients with faculty, with attending. Um, and that, but that doesn't mean that the evaluation is stopped there. So they mm -hmm. will, as they see patients and as they um, get independence, they are constantly getting uh, feedback with the faculty who are in, ser in service with them. So our, fa our fellows are almost never alone unless they are at the you know end of their fellowship right. that um they basically reach the level of level five which is our goal uh that they can see patients by themselves and do the procedure by themselves but before they get to that level they always have a faculty and they always have um evaluation verbal evaluation like um with direct observation with uh, from faculty. So how do you determine when they're ready for that next step? Is it like a committee going through these or do you have like a um, director of the FNA clinic who goes through it? Yeah, so we have uh, certain faculty, whether, so we have either program director or which program director of the fellowship or uh, FNA clinic director um, or, um, Dr. Young herself, uh, who has to sign off on um, their techniques to be able to start seeing patients. Okay, perfect. Have you had situations where you guys think that they're ready to move on, you know, have some graduated responsibility, but maybe the fellow doesn't feel so ready? And if so, what do you do in those situations? So if the fellows, um, I don't remember we had that situation, but if the fellows don't feel comfortable, the faculty is always available. So when we make the schedule, even at the end of their fellowship, they never have a day that there is nobody available. Um, so whenever they feel not comfortable, the faculty are immediately available. Perfect. And, you know, out of interest, you know, I, I know, especially at the last ASC um, annual meeting, and you, you, I see this a lot, where people are coming up with these new phantoms and things like that. Um, wh what's your favorite one to use? Do you have a favorite? You know, so I know we that. use 
the blue phantom that are pre-made, but they are expensive. And they make actually these needle tracks that you cannot get rid of, basically. So there are, they are talking about if the gel gets into these blue, blue phantoms, they get destroyed. We always wipe it and we don't let the gel go in it, but, but it's still the needle tracks are there. And after a while, after using multiple times, they are basically unusable and you have to replace them. But as I said, they are expensive. So uh, at least for the ASD workshop, what um, our group uh, who are teaching the session came up with, with, with a cheaper version of it, um, which is gel, basically, jello. So we are making these um, jellos with either olive inside as a target or like um, grape inside as target and uh, wrap the jello with like a, um, you know, just a, um, a cover, um, cellar wrap cover. And um, we use that as phantom. Uh, so you can do that if you don't want to spend $500 on each piece of uh, blue uh, phantom that you have to throw away <laughs> after a while. So that's a cheaper version of it. We still use blue phantom in our clean in our FNA uh, clinic. We don't use Jello, but if you don't want to purchase that, there are cheaper versions available. And actually, doctor, I think. Um, Dr. Ying uh, from MSK actually presented an abstract in just last ASC meeting using the same phantom that I'm talking about, the homemade cheap kind of jello phantom that can be used. Yeah, I love seeing what everybody comes up with. It's just so yeah. amazing. <laughs> so ingenious, I think. And yeah, so and, and for palpation guided, we use liver, which is the cheapest. But again, there are like more sophisticated Fiona, you know, phantom is also available right. for palpation guided FNA practice. Right. Amazing. And, you know, also, I had another question for you a little bit different than what we've been discussing. But out of interest, how did you guys adapt to COVID? Um, during the pandemic, because I know for us, at least our clinic was shut down for, I think it was six months. It was for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and I know some others have had, you know, say some other places, maybe they don't get as much exposure just right. in general. So, um, what was your, did you guys have an adaptation during that period? Yeah. Or? So right after COVID hit us, we closed the clinic maybe for a couple of weeks. But then we opened only for emergency cases. Um, and after a couple of months, we started to see patients on a regular basis. However, we started to adapt a very strict PPE SOP. Uh, so basically, we have a four-room FNA clinic at UCSF. We, in, we basically changed one of the rooms to, um, to Dauphin up to basically use PPA. So we were coming in, we were changing to N95, uh, you know, um, eye shield and um, uh, putting a, you know, the yellow a scrub on. And we go seeing patient and we, before we come out of the FNA clinic, we were going to that um, room again, we changed to regular um, masking and take away all the dirtiest stuff and coming out. So the, for a while we were doing that, but as you know, the vaccine came, we were going 
less and less strict with the PPE, but still at this time we are using P, um, N95 and CC patients. And, you know, um, except we have about 14 faculty, we had one faculty who we never found out how he or he got exposed, um, but most likely outside, the exposure were from outside, but we, we didn't have any trainee or faculty that we, we, we found out uh, direct exposure with the patient. And we had patients who were COVID positive. And the other thing that we did for intranasal and intraoral lesions that we do, we um, mandated um, antigen testing on site the 15 minutes antigen testing on site at UCSF before we see patients. So those patients needed to have proof that they have COVID negativity uh, before we do that. Yeah, thank you for sharing your experience with that. You know, hope, hopefully we're over the hump with things, you know, regarding that, but yeah. <laughs> who knows? So it's, it's interesting to hear how places were able to adapt and handle a situation like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I hope that we don't see that again to go back to right. closing down or. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, thank you so much for going through this. This was a very comprehensive and complete, I think, review of how you guys are able to incorporate your trainees um, into um, procedures, FNA procedures. Um, and I think that people will find this very useful and helpful. Um, thanks for providing that list of resources throughout the talk. Um, I know that as a, a trainee, I, I watched some of those YouTube videos out of UCSF <laughs> and Dr. Young's, I found them as a trainee very useful as well. So I encourage people to, um, if you haven't already seen those videos and go, gone through it, a lot of excellent things coming out of UCSF who have been leaders in this area. And Elham, thank you for all your leadership in this area as well. Of course, Anna. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I hope everybody can um, get some some points of, out of this presentation. And I also provide my email in the PowerPoint. So if anybody has any question directly, they can email me. Thanks. They could, they could ask you for the Jello recipe, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you so much again. Of course. Thank you for listening to CytopathPod. You can reach ASC on Twitter at Cytopathology or via email at asc at cytopathology.org. Cytopathology.